Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Here's what's coming up on this edition. First, you'll be hearing some comments about hungering for God from Shelley Rushing Tomlinson. Then, a cast member of a movie that depicts a marriage journey and the desire of a couple to do well in that journey. Her name is Sherry Rigby, and she plays the wife of a distance runner who set out to run almost 3,000 miles. Also, some words of wisdom from Mary Dodd, a carpenter who is co-founder of Carpenter's Guide Ministries. She's written a book oriented toward women that deals with the concept of spiritual remodeling. And on this edition of The Intersection, from the website and ministry of Dashing Dish, some material from Katie Farrell, who offers spiritual insight for strengthening not only the body, but the soul as well. Also challenging Christians to set solid financial goals, it's Russ Crossan of Ronald Blue Trust addressing the application of biblical principles to the use of money. Finally, you'll hear some comments from Ben Connolly of the City Church in Fort Worth, Texas, encouraging believers to effectively communicate biblical truth. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Shelley Rushing Tomlinson is an author, speaker, and radio host. She's written a book called Devotions for the Hungry Heart, Chasing Jesus Six Days from Sunday. It's a devotional book that deals with six different themes relative to growing in the Lord and developing a hunger for Him. From our recent conversation, this is Shelley Tomlinson. I am trying to encourage the whole wide world to just live hungry for this Jesus. We are just the silliest creatures. We get a taste of Him. We come to believe in Him, and it is so easy for us to just sit down and think we have checked some sort of a God box, and then we do the rest of our life without this sweet Jesus being a part of it, and it was never meant to be. He wants to walk through all of this life with us. The, the hard, can I get a witness out there that it can be hard mm. even when it's good? And, you know, he just wants to, to live life with us. And so I won't, I'm just on this, this journey to just want to live hungry for him every day of my life and encouraging other people to live hungry for him. So that's how Devotions for the Hungry Heart came about. My publisher uh, mentioned it to me and as an idea, and I just jumped on it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted that it's now getting in the hands of people. And, Bob, I just have this crazy, big, audacious um, desire for this little book that it will just help people learn how to just feast on the bread of life. Hey, this is great here at the beginning of 2018 to really, as I like to say, we reset our spiritual lives. It's an opportunity for maybe some fresh starts to put aside, as the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, to put off the old and put on the new. What better time to do that but here at the new year? And you've, as I mentioned, you've written this devotional book. So from a I guess from a structural standpoint, you've got 365-day devotionals, there are 52-week devotionals, 30 days, 31 days, 28 days. Where did you, <laughs> so, so how did you go about putting this together? Well, I framed this one as, um, as is kind of normal for me. I'm an outside-the-box type of person. I just don't seem to do things the way the rest <laughs> of the world does them, but um, the Lord works with me on that and allows me to just be me. Uh, that he made me to be, but this is not a dated devotional. That was my first intention because you can pick it up any time of the year and get started because it's divided into weeks. 
So each week, um, you know, the, that subtitle, Chasing Jesus, Six Days from Sunday, it's about uh, just just being in him the whole week, you know, not leaving church on the weekend and then going and doing life, but chasing him all through the week. So each day has a different theme, and you've probably noticed there are six heart themes is what I call them in the book. It's positions that I feel like help us be hungry for God. So one day maybe um, a hungry heart is surrendered, and I'll speak on that and weave it around a story. And then, um, you know, the hungry heart is needy, and I'll speak to that topic. But they're all built on these themes, and they all start with a story because that's how I communicate. And then I tie it into um you know, that day's thought about our Savior. Well, and those six different themes are, and you mentioned surrendering and needing. There's also sharing, celebrating, praying, and being intentional. So tell me about that subtitle, Chasing Jesus Six Days from Sunday. Where did that <laughs> phrase come from? Well, you know, we have a lot of sayings in the South. You may have noticed that <laughs> yourself. And we say things like, um, you know, she just she just went six ways crazy and six, you know, different um, little things along that use those same little phrases of um, six days from Sunday. And sometimes it means like you're going in so many different directions that you don't know which one to take first. You know, like I'm I'm busier than I've ever been six days from Sunday, and it just it, it just means basically the frantic chaos of life. And so I just kind of stole it, and I said, you know, life's just one big crazy mess anyway. Why don't we do what he's asked us to do and chase him six days from Sunday? Just just frame it all in that um, that wonderful messiness because we tend to do this, Bob. We 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 love him. We we're after him, but we'll have what we call a quiet time. Most of your listeners are probably familiar with that phrasing. You know, we'll have a time during the day that we devote to him, and I do that, and I'm all about that. But then we'll walk out of that time and try to do life on our own. And so my my call, my challenge, what I'm challenging myself and everyone else is just to stay after him in pursuit of him because. There's there's more. Shelly Rushing Tomlinson here on The Intersection. Her website address is bell, B-E-L-L-E, of allthingssouthern.com. Next up, it's actor and author Sherry Rigby. She described the concept of the movie Extraordinary in advance of its release on DVD and digital HD. The film is based on a true story and depicts David and Nancy Horton as they traveled on a journey to restore their marriage. From that conversation, this is Sherry Rigby. Extraordinary is a, a true story based on Dr. David Horton and his wife, Nancy. And he is an ultramarathon runner. And when I say ultramarathon runner, you know, he runs 64 days, you know, 2,600 miles. And that's considered a marathon. And so it really is uh, running a very intense race. And so what I love, though, about Extraordinary is that what people get to see is not only a beautiful movie that was created visually, but really a beautiful movie about marriage and running the race and really what, what race are we running and are we doing it well? And it's so specific about, you know, um, this parallel of, of, 
you know, Dr. David Horton being out on the road running and, and being a part of creation and ministering, but yet his wife, Nancy, is really pretty broken and at home. And so you see their lives, um, you know, come back together again and really share what is the most important thing. And, and really that is ultimately about doing their marriage well together and how do they interact in, as a husband and wife. So it's an incredible movie. When did the Hortons, or at what point did the Hortons actually realize that, well, you know, this marriage journey isn't doing so well? Right. Well, I think, you know, I think there was a lot of struggles along the way. And I think that, you know, they they started to realize this. Um, you know, I, I want to actually say not too long ago. and And really, you know, why is that? And I think it's because you know, as believers, you know, we also know that we have a purpose and a calling on our lives and that we are to walk in those callings and to do them well and run that race, right? And so I think with Dr. David Horton, you know, it was very specific for him that this was a calling on his life, that God had given him and created him to be an ultra marathon runner. And so when he's out running these marathons, he was able to interact with people that may never have an opportunity to talk about Christ, but yet they're out running in creation, and it gave him an opportunity to share this message. But, you know, really, as what was happening is Nancy was at home, and, and she was trying to do her race as well, but 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 she was doing it as a wife and a, and a mother at home and, and separate from her husband. And so finally, you know, Nancy was able to, to really share with David that this was just not... Um, working any longer and and that that she was feeling like they that he was missing out on running the race of their marriage and their life together as a husband and wife and his parents and so that's when they really had to go back and start looking at you know how do we do this race together well as a husband and wife how do we do it together well independently for what God has created us to do so what steps did they begin to take that's depicted here in the film that are depicted in the film to help bring things back together so that marriage journey could work better? Well, I, you know, it's such a great question. I think what they ended up doing is they really had to see that they they were not doing this well together. And, it you know, it takes two. I mean, I think, too, for Nancy, one of the things that I loved about Nancy was that just her transparency and and, you know, she hadn't gone to her husband. She hadn't shared her heart. She hadn't said, this is something that's going on with me or bothering me. And, and um, you know, and so you have this, 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 um, this hidden, you know, frustration that builds up and, and becomes a barrier. And, you know, and then you have a husband that is out, you know, working on his purpose and calling and away from his family. And, and so what happens, I think, and what happened in this particular case is they both had to really, really lean into God. And God really had to start speaking to David while he was out on the road running and really impressing upon him, um, you know, the the love of Nancy and just the memories that they had encountered together as a husband and wife. And, and, um, and Nancy had to really dig deep and, you know, understand what were the things that she wasn't doing that she wasn't sharing with her husband and, and, and how could she share this with her husband and what was she holding against him. And so it was really things that they had to do separately. And then as they started to realize that, come back together again and really share their hearts with one another. And and I think also what you see, too, is you have two people, David and Nancy, that had really good friends around them that uh, were able to encourage them to be um 
you know, truthful with one another and transparent so that they could work on their marriage and, and it could be on a path to healing. And, uh, and, and so that's really what I think happened here and how it, it, how it's worked out for them. And I think that they're still going through it and growing. Sherry Rigby here on The Intersection. The movie website is ExtraordinaryMovie.com. Her site is Sherry, S-H-A-R-I, Rigby.com. This is The Intersection Podcast with Mary Dodd, co-founder of Carpenter's Guide Ministries. She's been involved as a carpenter, and she discussed parallels between physical and spiritual remodeling, as she highlights in the book, The Pink Tool Belt, Spiritual Remodeling for Women. Here now is Mary Dodd. Many years ago, my life was uh, just in a very hopeless place. My my marriage was failing, my children, I have five children, three of them were seriously rebelling in drugs and that whole lifestyle. And um, as, a, as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, it's like everything that I spent my whole adult life building was falling down. And I didn't know what to do. And um, one morning as I was praying, I heard the Holy Spirit say, trust Jesus, be like him. And I know that sounds really simple, but it changed my life, and, it, and it, it challenged me to look at all those components that make up me, my attitudes, you know, all those things. So the first thing I looked at was the way that I served, and I compared it to the way that Christ served, and he always served, he always gave his best, he always served with a good attitude. He served even when it was inconvenient and he was tired. He served even to the point of uh, to death. And when I compared it to the way that Mary served, um, I, I was falling very short. And I realized that that area was, I was contributing to my own unhappiness and my own failed marriage and my own rebellious and maybe dysfunctional home. And so that was the first thing that I did a spiritual remodel. I identified it. I set my spiritual budget. I said, I am, gonna, I am going to die completely to self on this one, even when it's inconvenient and hard. And I repented of it by tearing it out. And I, and I replaced my way of serving with the way Christ served. And I served my husband and I served my family. And you know what? It changed me. It started to change me. And then I was challenged to look at all the areas. My words, uh, you know, I was not using my words the way Christ used his words. My thinking patterns, I needed to remodel those. And I tell you what, it started the spiritual remodeling days for me. And I think it's a lifetime thing because, you know, we have so many of our own issues that um, are not Christ-like, and and they're hurting us, <laughs> and they're hurting our spirituality, they're hurting our relationship with the Lord, and when we look like Christ, we please the Father, we um, are guaranteed spiritual spiritual success, and it just it just uh, makes our life better and our relationships better and. Really hard work, and you know, in any remodel, it's a mess <laughs> and inconvenient, <laughs> but so worth it. Just so worth it, and so full of blessings. And uh, that's my message. Talk about how how God works His will 
even in the midst of the messes, and sometimes these messes you know, come about as a result of that process that he is undertaking in our lives. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, to take that analogy a little deeper is, you know, say you want to tear out your kitchen cabinets and you're going to replace them, and you're in the middle of it and you realize that, you know, your subfloor has a lot of dry rot and water damage, so you got to go deeper, and sometimes maybe even the, you know, your subfloor or your, your floor joists underneath are even rotten. So sometimes you start a remodel and you think you're going in a direction, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I just want to stress that, we can't do this on our own. You can't do a spiritual remodel on our own. We're not strong enough. <laughs> we, need, we need the help of the Holy Spirit and His guidance. Sometimes He takes us deeper. Sometimes you've got to go to the subfloor and the floor joists to get to the real issue. And painful, oh, painful, painful, um, messy, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, and if you truly do set a spiritual budget saying, Father, I'm all in. Do whatever you got to do. Give me the strength, the patience, the gumption to see this thing through. He works a masterpiece. He is such a good father. He just, what he can do in our lives is really breathtaking. And, you know, just, he's the one who, he breaks chains. He sets the prisoners free. He's just such a good father. Mary Dodd here on The Intersection. Her website address is marydodd.com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and the website address is meetinghouseonline.info. There you'll find a link to the download center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. Also through that homepage, you can subscribe to The Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes on a weekly basis. You can also go to faithradio.org and scroll over the programming tab to get connected to the Meeting House homepage as well. Also through faithradio.org, you can learn more about the Faith Radio app. The Intersection podcast is available through the app as well. Also, when you visit the Meeting House homepage, you will find links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. You can also get connected to video content. That website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Continuing now with the Intersection Podcast, it's Katie Farrell, author of the Dashing Dish Cookbook and owner of the web-based nutrition business and ministry called Dashing Dish. In our recent conversation, she discussed principles related to her book, Nourish, Discover God's Perfectly Balanced Plan for Your Body and Soul. Here now is Katie Farrell. I actually, um, it was about... Seven years ago that I started Dashing Dish, and I started it, it was just a side hobby. It was, it was sort of a fun thing, and my husband, who's a graphic designer, said, hey, you know how you always bring your recipes into work, and they're healthy alternatives to, you know, cupcakes and cookies and different things that people really enjoy, and every time one of the nurses would try them, they would say, this cannot be healthy. So my husband said, you know, everyone's asking for your recipes. Why don't we just put them on a website? I'll create one for you. 
it'll be really fun and you can do it on the side. And I said, sure, why not? So I started sharing my recipes on a website that my husband created for me, dashingdish.com. And, you know, it was just a small um, thing back then where I would post a recipe every now and then and share one that, you know, I brought to work and everyone was like, I need this. And so I'd share it on my website. And then about a year into it, um, I started also feeling the Lord prompt me to start to share um, my story with um, my past of eating disorders and all the different diets and things that I had been on that really I tried before and failed. And so I started sharing how you get healthy in a really practical way and actually enjoy the journey. And when I started sharing, you know, some personal um, things from my heart, as well as, you know, really just things um, that the Lord has shown me over the years, I really started to find that people were um, hungry for more. And so uh, the the website kind of took off from there, and um, I ended up writing a cookbook and a devotional, and now this is my third book, Nourish. And so I'm just blessed and amazed that God has really used it to minister to so many different people, more than I could ever imagine. And not only do I get to share recipes, but I get to share um, what the Lord has placed on my heart to help others get healthy as well. Talk about what you see as the the relationship or the the balance between body, soul, and spirit that you explore here. I believe that our health starts in our soul, and then it comes forth and through into our bodies. And one of the ways that I explain this in my book is, if you've ever been really stressed out in a very stressful situation, um, how many times have you felt that effect in your physical body? So you actually feel a stomach ache come on, or a tension headache, or a backache. And so that's just proof right there that Everything that we're experiencing in our soul affects the health of our body as well. And so, so many times books or um, even well-meaning people try to address our health just by our physical body. But in order to truly find health, I believe we have to start in our soul. And so in Nourish, I talk about how do we find health in our soul and, and where do we begin with that? And really, it comes down to the basic principles of uh, you know, renewing our minds with the Word of God and allowing God to heal the broken places in our soul. And then from there, health can flow from our soul into our physical body as well. I definitely think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a plan or having goals um, laid out for you when it comes to eating healthy. But for me, I found that diets usually backfire. And the reason why is so many times I find that when we diet, um, it's a very short-term thing, and it's not long-term uh, enough to affect our overall health. And so when we um, really start to change how we see ourselves on the inside, so we begin um, by addressing the health of our spirit and our soul, and we allow God to paint a picture for her picture for who he created us to be and also involved him in even the physical things such as you know praying before we eat and inviting him in to every area of our life even when it comes down to our food choices um, that's when you know our spirit soul and body are all in alignment with his perfect will for our lives and he can guide us and lead us to what's the best plan for us 
because every single person will have something that will work a little bit different for them because he created us all so unique. Um, and so I believe that when we really seek his plan for our lives, even in regards to taking care of our bodies, um, that's when we'll find it because his word promises that when we seek him, we will find him. Katie Farrell here on The Intersection. The website address is dashingdish.com. Next up, it's Russ Crossan, Executive Vice President and Chief Mission Officer of Ronald Blue Trust. He's authored a number of books, including Your Life Well Spent and The Truth About Money Lies. In our recent conversation, he discussed some sound Bible principles that can be applied in the financial realm. Here now is Russ Crossan. We need to be applying biblical principles because those don't change. You know, the economy changes, uh, the stock market changes, and what we've learned over four decades is you you know, nobody can predict the future, and so you, what you do is you apply bedrock, unchanging financial principles from God's Word, and then you can handle whatever happens. So, I mean, obviously some people think, you know, the market's been so strong for so long, there's got to be a sell-off. Well, yeah, that could happen, but it could wait another year or two as well. So, um, you know, we don't ever try to time that. We just try to help our clients uh, do some basic financial planning principles, um, which can lead to peace of mind and not have to worry about, uh, where are we? I remember back in the 1990s, a guy said, aren't we in a new economy because, you know, the equity or the tech stocks are so hot. And I said, well, I don't know if we're in a new economy or not. I just know you're supposed to diversify. So uh, that's a biblical principle that doesn't change. When you look at approaching investing, saving from a biblical perspective, what are some important uh, principles you found that people need to keep in mind? Well, we, we think the most important principle, Bob, is to do your investing sequentially. In other words, you do certain things first. Um, you pay off your uh, credit card debt. You say, well, that's not an investment. Well, yeah, it is. You just guaranteed yourself whatever interest rate you're paying on the credit card debt. And then the next thing you do is you accumulate an emergency fund. And you say, well, that's not a very good investment because it may only earn 1% in the bank. Well, it keeps you from having to use the credit card. So, you know, you do first things first. You pay off your short-term debt. You save an emergency fund, then you save up for major purchases, and then you can start doing more traditional investing, you know, stocks, bonds, real estate, mutual funds, things like that. Um, but we have found that people will do investing sequentially, they're usually way better off. When people are considering their financial giving, I know that there are some considerations and and something that that you advocate, I know, Russ, is really being able to develop a sense of trust, if you will, for the organizations to which they give. For instance, Faith Radio is a member of an organization called the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, ECFA. It's very important that people vet the the charities or the ministries to which they give, correct? Yes, I mean, it's just like any investment. You make any financial investment, you check out the uh, the sponsor of the investment and, and, and all that. You do the same with your with your um, um, spiritual investments as well. Of course, we know from Scripture where to give to our local church because, you know, we're to give where we're being fed, those kind of things. So, um, but yeah, you do need to check out uh, and make sure the ministries are being good stewards. And the ECFA, uh, which you said Faith Radio is a part of, is a really good... Um, uh, gold stamp, if you would, um, of, of fiscal responsibility. And I also understand that really getting the family involved, teaching children sound financial principles is an important concept as well. Yeah, you know, when, you know, Julie and I have three boys. When they were younger, you know, you do the saving, giving, spending. So, yeah, kids need to understand that there's trade-offs 
and that you give to acknowledge God's ownership. You know, he gives you something to meet your needs that you can spend, and you also need to save, you know, as the ant uh, back in Proverbs, you read that story. So um, I, I appreciate the fact they've developed some banks now that are helpful to, to give your kids an actual tool if you have young children to be able to, to separate and have giving money and spending money and saving money. So, yeah, kids need to understand there's trade-offs, and the best way they learn that is watching their parents uh, not be able to do everything. As we as parents need to show them that, you know, if we're going to go on this vacation, we can't do this, or if we're going to uh, buy these clothes, we maybe can't, you know, go to this show or whatever. And those are those are important things for children to see parents uh, is modeling trade-offs. And I love what you were saying about acknowledging God's ownership over those resources. When you look at generosity, sometimes it may be a situation where a person or a family would be giving cash. Other times it may be a situation involving assets. What kind of assets are we talking about here? Well, Bob, I appreciate you bringing this up because we've learned over four decades that people can be way more generous than they thought because we teach them that, Hey, anything you have on your balance sheet, you know, you own part of a, you own a business, you own a piece of land, you own stocks, you own mutual funds, you all these kind of things. Any asset you own, um, gold, silver, whatever, can be given away. And um, in some cases, you're better off to give an asset that appreciated mutual fund or that appreciated stock than you are cash because you avoid capital gain tax. So. I think the challenge and encouragement to people is that you look at your cash flow as one place to evaluate your giving, but then you look at your net worth and what God's allowed you to accumulate and say, hey, is there something on here I should be also considering giving a piece of or maybe a few shares of or something like that. Russ Crossan of Ronald Blue Trust here on The Intersection. The website address is ronblue.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Ben Connolly, co-pastor of the City Church in Fort Worth, Texas, He's co-written a book with Jeff Vanderstelt called Gospel Fluency Handbook, A Practical Guide to Speaking the Truths of Jesus into the Everyday Stuff of Life. He discussed with me some components of effective communication about the Christian faith. Here now from that conversation is Ben Connolly. The first key word um, is, is gospel itself. I want to make sure we don't move away from the fact that it is about Jesus's life and death and resurrection, how that influences the whole rest of our lives. Um, I think some other key words are, uh, you know, obviously fluency. Um, what does it mean to become fluent in something? Um, and, and in any other context, as we become fluent in another language, for instance, um, it, it's learning the, the, the depth of that language and starting to think through it as kind of our uh, first thought, rather than having to think in English and then kind of process through the translation. Um, as we become increasingly fluent, um, we, we don't need to do that translation anymore. Um, and so I think hope and joy um, would be other key words in this and kind of going, where is our hope? Um, and if we're thinking through the gospel lens, then our hope is, of course, only in Jesus. Our joy is, of course, only in Jesus. Um, what is our identity? Um, biblically, our identity is in Christ from Genesis that were made in the Imago Dei as, as unique sons and daughters of God. Uh, we're recreated through the gospel as uh, brothers and sisters in Jesus, and um, uh, even more particularly, sons and daughters of God. Um, I think sin and, and our fallen, broken nature are important to understand. Um, if we define anything else as kind of a key problem in life, um, then we're looking on some 
lower level on some, you know, Ecclesiastes calls it life under the sun. We're, we're trying to define the true issue of life by something under the sun. And in and, and truth, the the key problems of life are spiritual. The key problems of life are far beyond the sun, um, S-U-N, sun, and only fixed by the S-O-N, sun. I think those would be a few of the key words that, that uh, matter in this conversation. Mm. What about the word grace? Yeah, um, you, you, you know, there's the problem with asking a few key words. There's so many uh, incredible words that are related to this. I think the grace of God uh, is, the, is, is the, the core of Christianity. Um, you mentioned right before you uh, reintroduced the, the, the segment that the key of, of faith is realizing there is nothing we can do to add to the good work of Jesus. And so grace is the only means, the blood of Christ is the only means by which we can live out any of these things. Uh, the grace of Christ is the only means by which we can even know the gospel in its fullness um, in any of our lives. And when we talk about the gospel and communicating it effectively, as we talk about some of these wonderful concepts such as salvation and grace and identity in Christ, what do you see as perhaps the the most effective way as we become more fluent in the gospel to be able to actually communicate that in a way that doesn't sound like that we're practicing, as it's been said, Christianese? Yeah. Yeah, I think that one of the ways is to start to get to know kind of our own areas of unbelief and then uh, different areas of unbelief in other people's lives, um, because there's things that, that are just inherent in every single human, and, you know, you can see them through a Christian lens, and yet they're also just true because we're humans, and so things like yearning and things like realizing something's wrong here, you know, we can call that brokenness. Um, and, and we can say, yes, it's because the, the, all of the creation is groaning for the day when it will be redeemed. Um, but the concept of realizing that we're in a broken world, that's not unique to Christians, right? Um, and so one of the ways that we talk about it, both in our church and in the, the handbook a little bit, is the, that the gospel can be kind of like a diamond. In the, There's one diamond, but every time we see a diamond commercial, it's always against a black background. It's always spinning. Um, because every different angle that we see that diamond from brings out a different nuance, a different, if I can use this word, very manly word, a different sparkle, right? And and so as we get to see the beauty of the diamond, we, we come to appreciate it more and more. And in the same way, there's one gospel. Um, and yet for, for different people, different angles are, of the gospel are going to make it truly seem like good news. Um, and so for the person who's seeking satisfaction in thing after thing after thing and coming up only dissatisfied, the gospel becomes good news because it's through the gospel that God promises that in Christ he will provide ultimate satisfaction. Ben Connolly here on The Intersection. You can learn more about the book by going to gospelfluency.com. His website is com. Well, we are nearing the end of this edition of the Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to the Meeting House homepage at meetinghouseonline.info or go to faithradio.org and scroll over the programming tab. 
When you visit the homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand. You can also get subscribed to the podcast and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. Also at faithradio.org, you can find out more information about the Faith Radio app. The Intersection podcast is available on the app as well. You can also get connected to two blogs. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. Also through meetinghouseonline.info. You can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. You can also get connected to video content, the website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or go to faithradio.org. This has been the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.